there, pretties. It's Chrissy. And it's Heather. And a really sweet guy with a deep voice to give you a... Uh, oh, yes. Just a quick warning. Yes, the Chrissy and Heather show contains elements of real life, nostalgia, silliness, deep thinking, and nonsense. If you're averse to any of these ingredients, the Chrissy and Heather show may not be for you. So talk to your doctor and all your friends about this program. Let's get into it. Happy Friday, Heather. Woohoo, Friday. So today I want to talk to you about something that is a big deal in my life that I've been kind of waiting to happen, waiting for to happen for a little bit. And it did happen and it brought a roller coaster of emotions and it brought a lot of fun things. And you might not be surprised for it because someone leaked it on the social media. Well, who, me? I didn't leak anything. No, you didn't leak it. Someone (laughs) else leaked it. I didn't see it. Yes, you did. In fact, you went on and commented that you saw it. You said, I see all of this. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, I don't even remember, though. Okay. (laughs) What it was is that a few months ago, I finished up the training to become a foster parent. Right. And I also do something called cradle care. Yes. Cradle care is when a mother, a biological mother, is choosing to give a baby up for adoption And she has a window of time in which to make sure that's the right decision for her. And during that window of time, they place the baby with like an intermediary person instead of with the adoptive parents, because that would be hard if the biological mother decided that wasn't the right choice. Yeah. So I get to do that. I get to keep this baby in that transition period. Um, Wow. Yeah. So I haven't. How long of a how long is the transition period? It can be a day or two. It can be a week, you oh, know, wow. um, depending on all the logistics and and I, I haven't gotten to do that one yet. I'm very excited about about the future of doing that. But I was placed with my first foster baby the other day, and they brought me a seven month old little baby. Um, boy or girl it was a girl a little girl and she came in um, they called me around 8 30 in the evening mm-hmm. and by 9 30 she was at my house wow yeah oh um, you have to be ready yeah you have to be ready um and you have to say yes also they can't just they can't just say we're bringing you a baby like, here comes a baby yeah you have to say <laughs> i will take this baby yeah you know, i will take this child um it wasn't my first call for placement. Oh, really? It was the first placement that I was able to do. Okay, so they had called before I'd and you were not able to do for it. I older children mm-hmm. um, and it had been like at the same time that my children were there and I didn't have beds. Um, I'd gotten calls for, that's mostly it, for yeah. you know, like teenagers that were older than my kids that I just wasn't quite comfortable, you know. Um, really, my house is... Uh, I'm licensed to, I can take children in, but what I have in terms of bed placement is I have a crib, you know? And right, right. So it, I kind of knew that babies were the right spot for me and for my children and, you know, yeah. for what fits our family. And I wish that I could do broader and that I could do more, but, you know, we are helping in the way that we can. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, the people called me, they asked me if I would take this seven month old little girl and she arrived at my house and my kids were over the moon. I'll bet. Oh my gosh. And we just 
fell in love with her instantly. Was she adorable and squishy? And squishy and sweet. And you know, you don't know what you're what you're gonna get. Like you don't like this is a baby who was taken away from her mother today, you know? And uh a baby who was taken out of her home for a reason. Yeah. Um that she wasn't she wasn't seen as safe there and it wasn't seen as an okay place for her to be so you know kids are coming in and they've experienced trauma right like Mm -hmm. you you're kind of excited yeah yeah baby's coming to my house but that baby is not excited that baby's very scared and so Mm -hmm. like you know like instantly i was with my kids like hey the baby might not want to play the baby you know what i mean like because they're just like oh baby right they think they're babysitting yeah exactly and um so you know but this was a very, very nice baby and a very sweet baby. And she attached to us very quickly. Um, she slept through the night. Wow. That was um, my next question. Yeah. She slept through the night uh, around 5 a.m. She, I heard her moving. She wasn't crying. She didn't cry. This baby did not cry. This was a wonderful baby. Um, and around 5 a.m. I heard her moving and I got her out of her crib and I laid her in my bed and we cuddled for two hours. She just slept <laughs> in my arms for two hours. And then I got up and um, I went to court. So when, okay. a, when a child enters foster care, I didn't know this because it's still very new to me too. Um, within 24 hours, they have what they call a shelter hearing. Okay, And that is an event at court where they determine if there was probable cause for removal and where are we going to put this baby now? Where's the baby going to stay? And they already had a family member um, that was willing to take them, that they were rushing through a home study and doing the background screening and making sure it was going to be a safe place for the baby to go. And I thought that that could take a few days but it only ended up taking a few hours. Oh, wow. And so 15 hours after the baby came into my life, the baby was taken out of my life. Oh. And it was incredibly hard. I can imagine so. I mean, my heart started hurting just thinking about it. It was incredibly hard. And man, it's just such a fun thing for us to get to talk about today. I want to talk about like, you know, as a as a first look into the system, our show today is called "Welcome to the System." Okay, you know, um, as a first look into w- what the feelings are for the foster parent, what the feelings are for the biological parent, what the feelings are for the child. You know, I mean, there there's there's so much to dive into there, and it's you know. It's so interesting. Little things. I've heard other people who are foster parents say, for example, that it's almost hurtful when a non-foster parent says, oh, I could never. Oh, um, really? And I had never thought. And I'm like, why? You know what I mean? Like, And, and having that baby for that short little window of time. I got to take the baby to my children's school. Mm-hmm. We got to sit through an event and we got to see lots of other moms. And these other moms were wonderful and mm-hmm. warm. And they just wanted to take her and cuddle her and everybody passed her around. And, and it you know, it was beautiful. Like It's fun to watch a community of moms come together. Yes. And suddenly everybody's in, mm-hmm. you know. 
And one of the moms said to me, oh, I could never, I, I could never do that. You know, I would get too attached. And I understood for the first time why that's a little offensive. It's not that I don't get attached. I'm every bit as attached as you would be, you know, and I, I don't know. It, it, it almost made me feel, and I know the intention wasn't to make me feel this way, but it almost made me feel like, what? So you think that I have a hardened enough heart that like, oh that, gosh, that my hard heart can let me do this. And I know that's not the intention. No, that wouldn't I have know, been mine. Like, but I never thought that, you know, like that's what went through my mind and it surprised me. You know, like what you think that, you know, that I'm so tough and strong that it doesn't hurt me when they take away a baby, you know? Oh, I would think it would be the opposite, that you're so much stronger than I am that you can withstand that amount of pain. And I think that that is the intention. Right. Absolutely. Of a comment like that. I think that that is the intention. Like, wow, you are strong, but it makes it feel feel I don't know it, it, it was it surprised me that I felt that way I now that I hear you say it like that I do see that perspective I wouldn't have come up with that on my own I because I, that wouldn't I have been my intention yeah, I know I know like and I would totally say this to someone else like before, yeah I before have said I started it. doing this like I would I would totally say that to someone else I didn't know how it was going to strike me when someone said it to me, you know, like, and it surprised me. It really did surprise me. And like, and, and like I said, I knew that wasn't the intention. I knew that the intention was love and kindness yeah. completely, but it made me feel like you could do this. Like, and it made me almost like bow up. My, my daughter has a phrase, a new phrase. Like, this is what the kids are saying. Oh, flex on my haters. You flex my, on your hairs on my haters haters yeah. oh okay <laughs> like it made me want to flex on my haters like you know like, and it, she wasn't a hater at all like right. not even a little bit like she was trying to give me love and like it, and I'm like it hurts me too you know like yeah you could do that like I guess that's what it really was was you could do this you have a beautiful heart and you could you know um I I have can I can I share a thought yes. in here? Okay. Because you seemed like you were going forward into another thought. And I wanted to share a thought before we move into you another one. always share a thought. <laughs> this is a safe space, Heather. Okay, you know, when I think about the concept of I could never do that, I my reasons are um, mostly um, logistical. You know, like I, I, my house, I'm not ready for a child uh, I'm not ready for a baby to come to my house. Like, I don't have the stuff, you know? Yeah. I, and my life is not, um, I'm not good at, at spontaneous. Like, I'm not, I wouldn't feel comfortable saying, like, I can get a phone call at 8.30 and I have a baby at 9.30. And then, so like, that is where I say, oh, I could not do that. I'm just, that's not where I could exist. But then my mind challenges me in the same way that I am frequently challenged by spiritual um, tenants. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I used to get kind of bristly. We have in, in my church, we had the prayer of confession. Mm -hmm. And I would always read the prayer of confession and be like, I'm not perfect, but I'm not that bad. And it's like, we don't do anything right. <laughs> we suck and uh, we're never going to get it right. And then when I started learning ab about more about what the Christian faith truly calls us to do, then I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not doing hardly any of that. 
Mm-hmm. And so I I know that I have the capacity to do it, but I'm not doing it because I'm because I'm selfish and I'm protecting myself. And so when I hear you talk about, well, yes, you could. It's like, well, yes, I could. I could, of course I could. I could do anything. I I'm afraid to. Yeah. And that's legitimate. You know. Yeah. That's I, And I think that when I say I could never do that, it's because I feel like I'm afraid to let go of my comfort to truly be available for somebody who needs me. Yeah, I mean and that that is a scary thing, you know, like I I feel really fortunate that mine was this my my first experience here was this 15-hour whirlwind. Right. Was the nicest baby in the world. Yeah. Was you know, like <laughs> like I this was a pretty smooth introduction and you know, we talk about gifts from the universe. We yeah. talk about like I I was writing for a chapter recently and I was writing about when I started my Camino journey mm-hmm. and just a quick anecdote, a quick story that happened to me. So I had flown from here in Tallahassee, Florida to Atlanta mm-hmm. and gotten on a flight over the ocean to Charles de Gaulle, um, in Paris. Mm-hmm. And I needed to switch airports there. And apparently this is something that happens all the time between Charles de Gaulle and Orly. Um, you know, small flights go out of Orly, big flights into Charles de Gaulle. And, you know, you got to switch planes. Okay. You got And you got to switch airports to switch planes. Um, oh, so okay. So you go from Charles de Gaulle to Orly. And I had assumed that there was a shuttle, that there was, you know, I thought I had this put together. And when I got off the plane and spent a lot of time being lost in this big airport and mm-hmm. trying to figure out where the shuttle was and doing a whole host of activities to try to get my life together, I realized there was no way that there was a shuttle. There was no way that I was going to make it in time (gasps) unless I was in a taxi right now. And I'm trying to like be a big girl. This is my very first solo trip. Oh, you know, it's me in a backpack and a pair of boots. And we're trying to change our life here, you know. Right. (laughs) I don't have time for this hassle. I'm trying to change my life. I don't know what to do. Um, So I'm like, okay, okay, I can do this. I can do this. And I walk to the taxi line. And in my very best French, which is not very good (laughs) French, I'm walking up and down the taxi line asking if anybody is going to Orly. The taxi line is easily 100, 150, maybe 200 people long. Oh, wow. It's all the way back. Like there's no way if I get in this taxi line that I'm going to anywhere close to make this next flight, you know, that's at a different freaking airport. Right. Um, And I'm walking up and down the line and I'm like, is anybody going to Orly? Can I hop in your taxi? Is anybody, you know, like, and the French people are pulling up their black coats tight around themselves like stupid American, you know. And then this little angel walks over to me (laughs) this man with shiny shimmering white hair he walks over and he's like mamzelle ici ici here right you know Mm -hmm. and and he's he's beckoning to me to come with him and i just follow him i there's nothing else for me to do right and he walks to the very very front of the taxi line he walks past the 200 people and he speaks beautiful french to the employees and they tuck me into a nice warm cab and away I go. Whoa. And I didn't even get his name. I didn't even really get to wow, say thank you. Wow, that is an angel. And I know that I got that man at that moment because 
the universe knew I wasn't ready yet to overcome my own things, to conquer, you know, like, like I would get good at facing travel adversity. Right. I would get very good at it, <laughs> but I wasn't ready that day. Right. And I feel like that with this situation, they gave me this baby. So I got a taste of it so that I could kind of understand. Right. You know, and I could get an experience to what this loss feels like, an experience to what court feels like, an experience to what it feels like to take in the love of your community on behalf of this child. You know, like I got all the, and it was just such a whirlwind, you know, by lunchtime the next day, the baby was gone, Mm. you know, and it like, it was welcome to the system. You know what I mean? It was, this is what it's like. Somebody showed up at my door with a little tiny girl that they knew nothing about, that I knew nothing about, that they hand me, and now she's yours to figure out, you know, and you don't know the feeding schedule. You don't know how she's going to sleep. You, you don't, don't know any of that? You don't know anything. I, um, Did they- when they dropped her off, I didn't know her last name yet, you know, like I, I knew there's a baby here, you know. What if she has allergies or? They are, they're supposed to be a, like a little folder that uh-huh. comes with them. It happened not to happen. For, okay. For me Welcome to the their, system. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, I mean, not everything goes perfectly. Right. You know, and, but nothing went horribly wrong. You know what I mean? It yeah. Was, it was, it was a good. Wow. It was a good first experience that also let me see how many moving parts there are, how much room for error there is, how many people are involved Mm -hmm. in this very quickly. I mean, it was wild. And then I went to the courtroom and, you know, the the parents are there. The biological parents are there. Oh. Um, And that is interesting, too. And I I really feel for them. You know, like I like I felt like I, I really felt for them. I want to see them do what they need to do to, you know, have a environment that this baby can thrive in, you know, and right. that, that they can, you know, take care of this, this child, you know, so it, it was, it was wild. It, and it was, it was a wild ride very quickly. Was the baby adopted? No, the, the, the baby, this was, um, this was the baby that was removed from her home, mm-hmm. um, and brought to me because her parents had an issue. Oh, home. so she so went she home was, with them. She, she did not go home with them. Oh, she went, okay. There was, they found a family placement. Oh, so they, she went to a foster family. She, she, she went to a foster family that was part of her biological family. Oh, right. So she got placed in, in part of her biological family. Okay. Home, you know, like, I don't want to like go through like specifics. Right. You know, yeah. So want to keep it as broad as possible but yes yeah, they found somebody in her biological family who they deemed a safe place for her to go and be while her parents work on a plan yeah um, to hopefully be able to um to, wow. get, to get her back um which actually leads me to the topic of reunification um one of my friends like I said I got to I got to hear a lot of people's opinions on the system and and most people you know are like wow this is so cool this is so great you know one of my friends i was very surprised by her 
I said, hey, I just got this baby, you know, and she said, I hope that the parents never get her back. (gasps) Yeah, she was like, I hope they don't deserve to have a baby. And obviously, like they like she like she was very, very harsh. And I thought. Maybe if there if there is anything about me that is, I guess, quote, special in doing this is Mm -hmm. that I'm rooting for them. And I think that I, I think that I, I don't know if that was even natural. I will say that, you know, the classes that I took, they told us some beautiful stories of people who actually have gotten themselves together and have formed a good relationship with the foster parent and like a foster parent who taught a biological dad like how to give the baby a bath. Oh, that's like, nice. Yeah, like 10 months in a transition of, you know, like his visits were, you know, actually in their home and and then he learned the skills to be a parent and to be able to take this baby back and i think that that's the ultimate success story yeah i think that i even went in because i worked in foster care a long time ago like when i was very young when i was about 21 22 i spent a year working in foster care and i will not say that it was a very nice experience and some of the foster parents were not the nicest people now here in Tallahassee I have only met foster parents who are like amazing like yeah it's a very special environment I think so like it's it's a very special environment it's really it's it's neat people who are just so giving and so you know and and I think I think most foster parents are you know I really do I think that at least around here you know it's a it's a very but it's a it's a sticky territory yeah and it's a weird thing to talk about but reunification success stories I think we're really stressed here Mm. and and I I think that that's almost when when I think about what's my goal in doing this I have told them I'm like I would almost take like a 17 year old who had a baby if I could teach her how to be a mother you know, yeah. like I, I think I think what what a honor and a privilege if if I get the chance to do something like that. That would be know? a very special opportunity like that is really, really cool. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I really I, I root for these people. But I also like I, I came into it, I guess, with this idea of ugh, the state always wants reunification. The state's always, you know, let's talk about the. That, you know, reunification is always best. Being with the family is always best. And I don't, I, I, I don't subscribe to that. Always yeah. is a pretty strong it word. Is. Yeah. I mean, like, and the goal is generally reunification. And then I think about my cousin is a foster parent. Mm-hmm. And she has a little boy that she has had since birth. He's two and a half, I think, thereabouts. She's had him since birth. She's the only mother he's ever known. And the parents, the biological parents, keep putting in a plan but keep falling off the plan. Mm -hmm. I think there's been one, maybe two babies since him born to this mother who have also been removed. You know, and a situation like that, I mean, he's growing up there and to take him away seems cruel to everyone yeah, like, uh, sometimes i wonder whether it, it 
I don't know very much about how that system works, um, but I, I wonder whether it's for the welfare of the child or the welfare of the parents, like whose best interests are in mind, because I would think that stability would be in the best interest of the child. Well, and, and that's interesting. And, 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 and actually, I went ahead and did a... And now, the results of Chrissy's cursory Google search. And, and my search yielded some results. Because I was like, why do we think unification, reunification is so great? And basically, what I found was it's, uh, it's better to be with your family uh, if it's safe in that house. Uh, kids have better outcomes. And I didn't find exactly what I like what what those better outcomes were. That's I, what I wonder, and, and that's what I wanted to see. And another thing that's an issue are, is a lack of quality placements or group homes. Like, where do we put this child? You know, if not with their family, like. And I guess like logistically, that's that's an easy reason, you know. But I really. I, I want to dig into it more. I want to understand why we think reunification is best. And that's a good question. Is it best outcomes for the child? And well, I, I think it's I think it's a big question that maybe is a case by case answer. But we're answering it broadly for everyone. Reunification is best, period. The, the state, the you know country, whoever has decided we should reunify kids whenever possible. And I don't I was recently in a conversation with somebody who um, was talking about something related um, in and he's a foster parent for an infant who's um, who has been removed from their home because of their parent, their biological parents have have lost their rights to the child for some reason. And um have been working in the system and was expressing frustration about, I guess I don't, I'm talking around something that I'm not fully educated on, so I might get it wrong, but that I think that there's some kind of legislation going on about the length of time that it takes trying to shorten the length of time or lengthen the time that it takes for a parent to regain rights to their child Hmm. and the, criteria that needs to be met in order for that to happen and um, the concern that was being expressed by my friend is that the baby or the child is better served in a stable household than bouncing back and forth Mm -hmm. between households because their parents are trying to get it together and then they don't get it together and so then they're out and then they they get the baby back and they have this hot potato is that in the best interest of the baby? Like who's, right. I guess, my, I guess mm-hmm. my question is who are we trying to help the right. baby or the parents? Yeah. And, and that's absolutely true because uh, interestingly enough with this baby, and I, I, I think it's important for us to say we're both like, even though I am a licensed foster parent, I'm very much a novice here, you know, and we're both talking, we're having a conversation here that is probably a little bit out of our depth, but it's important to have them, you know? Um, but yeah, the, this baby was interesting because she was so sweet and she was so nice. Yet when we walked into court and her parents were there, she didn't seem particularly attached to them. 
She didn't like reach for them or she was totally just content sitting there. And it struck the one of the workers as interesting. She made the comment to me. She's like, she seems very comfortable being passed person to person, you know, like like a low attachment. Like and for me as a mother, if my seven month old entered the room and saw me and wasn't like there's my mom, you know, like, you know, babies, they, they, right. mama, mama, and they yeah. reach and they, you know, like you have to hang on tight because they're going to wiggle themselves out of your arms. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> they got to get to, right. to that. And, and I, I mean, attachment is a critical, it, it's the first critical thing, you know, like when a baby is born, that bonding, you know, we talked about that on, on Cameron's show that when she was a surrogate, mm-hmm. she wanted to pass the baby to the parents right away because that's where the bonding needed to happen. Right. And in foster care, that bonding may never happen with anyone. I was talking to a woman yesterday uh, because she asked me, what's your, what's your show going to be about this week? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not a woman that I know particularly well, but she's a real, just a, a sweetheart. And we got to talking and like when I told her that this was the topic, she got really quiet for a while. And then several minutes later, she said, you know, I grew up in foster care, right? Hmm. And I said, I, I didn't know that. I, I, I didn't know that at all. And she's like, yeah, from the age of eight until I aged out. And I said, did you have a stable placement? And she said, no. And I, I bounced around and I, you know, and she, she's like, I, you know, it, it wasn't fun it wasn't easy it was very painful and very hard and no one took care of me like and then she she shared details like reunification would have been terrible for her she watched her mother shoot her father oh my gosh Um, and she's like everything that i experienced in foster care wasn't as bad as that right you know and and she still had until i believe she said her mother died like substance abuse issues and her father is still alive, but, you know, still consumed in substance abuse issues mm-hmm. and whatnot. And she she said, you know, but she still has some kind of cursory relationship with them. And she still loves them because they are her parents. You know, like even though even people who like have hurt you or have hurt each other and therefore lost you, it's their own demons and their own right. struggles. And she never really attached to someone like a foster parent that was always there. Now she did mention, she's like, there are some people here in town that I lived with when I was 16 and they still, I mean, she's got to be 35 years old. Right. And she's like, and you know, and they still like, they made an impact. And then we got to talking about a foster parent that I know who she only likes to take teens. Mm -hmm. She likes to take people who are, you know, between 16 and aging out and, you know, just let them know that they have a place they can come back to, you know, because they're going to age out and just an adult that they can call and, you know, and get advice. And, right. you know, like to me, that is some really big stuff. That, well, yeah, that's, a, that's just impressive. I you think know? those kinds of stories and the ones where, you know, the parents might be, you know, maybe they weren't ready to have a baby. They you know, had, you know, hard situation and they did need a mentor they needed you know a another couple in their life that could teach them how to parent you know and how to do those things and then the re- reunification happens and it's a wonderful you know happily ever after mm-hmm. um but and i you build would, a community that hopefully can support you in you know 
that they don't just teach you how to give your baby a bath. They become, you know, they go to your kid's school play and they, you know, and that would that's, be wonderful. That's, beautiful. that's, but that's I, impressive. I would take a guess. My, my jaded guess would be that most cases, um, well, I wouldn't say most, but my jaded perspective is that um, there are enough cases to be significant where it's because of substance abuse or drug abuse or um, drug addiction and that the parents or domestic violence or some situation where the parents need to take care of getting themselves back on track Mm -hmm. or on you know or whatever needs to happen for them and that it's in the best interest of the baby to be in a stable home and maybe reunification is not the priority anymore right now i'm not i'm not qualified to make that call but that's just my layman's perspective asked a couple people who work in foster care and have for a long time if they would guest on our show so hopefully on some future show we'll have some people in here who no more than they we can do. answer our questions yeah, yeah, and <laughs> let me tell you how questions. it is yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean and i don't think that there are straight answers to questions no like i imagine I it's mean, a case-by-case basis it's a case-by-case basis and i mean these are huge societal issues that we just don't always look at you know it brought up some other things for me that i thought were interesting that i thought were worth a, a quick mention today um the baby that came to me uh was black mm-hmm. and uh, race, I felt different with a baby of a different race than I thought I was going to. Like, really? I felt somehow more accepted by the black women that I came in contact with over the next couple of days. Uh, I felt like an easier bond with them. Like, like they looked at this baby and they're like, cool she's taking care of mm-hmm. a cute little black baby and we like her now you know okay like, yeah so i felt like an acceptance there i felt more judged at like my Publix, <laughs> like which who cares like right. mixed relationships happen that's all a the thing time. now it's yeah totally a thing. Like, yeah but i felt like people were looking at me weird like why does she have a black baby mm-hmm. like it was interesting you know like I, I didn't have this baby long enough to really sort through yeah. feelings with it and to really get an accurate picture of society's judgments or, you know, but so many issues come up with that too. Like if this baby would have stayed with me long term, I want to honor her cultural experience. I would want to know how to do her hair right. Right. I would yeah. want to know how to, you know, like... I don't know what I don't know. Right. You know what I mean? And so race became an, an interesting, like it, it came to the front of my mind for 15 hours in a way that it just doesn't in my normal day to day life. I don't, I don't think about race very you much. You had a crash you know? course. Yeah. Um, the same with socioeconomic status. Mm-hmm. When I got up to get dressed to go to court, I wondered if I should be who I am and wear my super nice white linen jacket and my expensive earrings. And like, I I mean, I, I thought through who I was that morning. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I mm-hmm. thought I'm going to go in and I'm probably going to be in a room with people who don't have 
the means that I have. And I almost thought about like, I didn't want them to feel badly. I, I didn't want to seem like a show off. I, you know, like it, it's funny. Like, I know what you mean. It reminded me of when I was in kindergarten. Okay. My, my, <laughs> my mom went to my kindergarten conference with my teacher and my mom loved to tell this story. This was one of her favorite stories. And it's, I don't know, like kind of embarrassing, but um, <laughs> she, she went to my conference with my teacher and my teacher said, Chrissy's doing a really good job learning to tie her shoes and learning to write her name. And my mom came home and she's like, hey, Chris, uh, why are you pretending you don't know how to tie your shoes and write oh. your name? Because I've known how to do those things since I was like three, you know, like, and, and, and I said, because I want to be accepted and I don't want to right. make the other kids feel bad. Yeah. I was five years old and I had the... High the, empathy. Yeah, I had this high, like, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I, I want people to like me. Right. I don't want to be like judged for being further along yeah. than some people are. And I don't want them to feel badly that they can't do these things. Yeah. So I pretended I didn't. My dad, my entire life, for the 29 years that I had my dad, my dad would say, don't hide your light under a bushel basket. Mm -hmm. Like you, you are who you are and you are bright and you are shiny and don't make yourself less in a room. And that came to the top of my mind as I put on my pretty white wool coat and I'm like, okay, this is who I am. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be better i'm not trying to but i'm also not going to try to be worse than i am you know like authentically uh, you but sometimes be like some usually i'm in a room where being authentically me is okay because there are other people like me in that room and it's harder to walk in and be authentically you in an environment where you know authentically you might be irritating. <laughs> you know? That's a fair statement. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that was. And you're assuming you know? that you're, but you're assuming that your authentic self is irritating to them. It's true. It's an assumption. Yeah. You know? It, it might, it might not be. I hoped like my hope was that I was being hard on myself and that they would say a responsible, kind, put together person is taking care of my baby today. You know, and I hoped that, you know, it put forward to them like someone who cares is currently holding my child. You know, I think the fact that you cared shows your compassion. I think that they probably were more focused on what was going on with them yeah. <laughs> than what you were wearing. <laughs> that is definitely true, you know, and like. I went into, it was very evident. I mean, another thing that comes back to I get race and class and gender, but also history. Mm -hmm. I didn't know this family. I had never met these people before. Some of the police workers who were there obviously had a history with this family. Mm -hmm. I felt sorry for this father who was there, like... He was getting really emotional. He didn't necessarily have the tools to manage those emotions properly. Um, but 
I felt almost like like a hatred for him in that room. Like, and I mean, he had made choices that were dangerous to his wife and his daughter. You know, like, like, but I, I'm such a he can do better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, and I didn't get to read the file. I don't know what kind of baddie he did. Like, right. I know, like, I was told he is very volatile. He can be very dangerous. You know, like they were a little worried about me walking into the room. But this man walked up to me and said, thank you for taking care of my daughter. And he walked away. And to me, I felt very humbled by that. And it was interesting to watch the response of some of the police workers who were there were like, oh, really? Now he's now he wants to be thankful. You know, like like they were very down. Like I only saw this little glimpse of what looked to me like a person really struggling. And you know that I have the soft heart for yes. the underdog and the struggle. You know, like, like, I'm not okay with you hitting women. And I'm not okay with you being volatile. And, you know, I'm not okay with any of that. And I'm not trying to stand up for this guy and for his choices. But he is a father who's sitting in a room being told what little ability he's going to have to see his seven-month-old child. And I I like to presume, and I could be wrong, that when we're not in a fit of rage, maybe we have a thing in our heart that we really... I'm sure that he loves this child, you know, and I'm sure he probably loves the mother of this child, and he's made some really, really bad choices. And I wouldn't, if I was the girlfriend in the situation, like if I was, you know, the mother, I wouldn't entertain like even speaking to him. I know, I know what, what, where I would set limits and where I would be firm. But as an outsider, I kind of felt bad for this guy. You well, know? I, from my perspective, it seems like you had a very um, short experience in a big event yeah like you came in and kind of flew through a a corner like well okay i'll say it this way there is like a party going on and you came in and said hi to a couple people and left and said that seems like fun but what you didn't know what was really going on in the other rooms of the house Mm -hmm. and so from your perspective i think that your um your kind and compassionate spirit is seeing the potential in people that you know you you know that is there um but i do hope that you know whatever happens with them you know and wherever the baby lands and or lands is not really the right word wherever the baby um is placed um that the baby has everything that she needs to grow up in a stable safe home and that there is a time when that father can make peace with the decisions that he made and know that his daughter is, is being cared for Yeah, and what, and having what she deserves. And he, there may have, there may still be an opportunity for him to turn things around, but I mean, it's out of your hands. Yeah. I'll just say, I guess for me, it was, um, it was emotionally taxing. Yeah. And it was an interesting back and forth personally with, when they took her, I wasn't ready and I was really sad. On the flip side, I was thinking, what if they're sticking me with this kid? What if they're not actually getting this stuff done? What if I have this baby three months from now? Do you know what I mean? Like, right. Because that stuff happens in yeah. the system too. Like, And I wasn't prepared for that either. Right. Like, so I, 
I don't think I could have been prepared in any way for any of it. You know what I mean? Like it, it was, like I said, just a wild ride. That is the ultimate. I I think that's the, well, I was going to say like a faith walk of, I don't know if I've got what this is going to require, but I'm on the path. So I guess I'm going to find out. And I think that's the part of foster care that when people say they couldn't do it, they're afraid of, Mm. you know, some people are, are able to do that walk confidently. And then some of us aren't ready. Well, I think um, we're getting a little long on time, so I won't dig into it very much. But uh, I I watched a few days ago the trials of Gabrielle Fernandez. Okay. And I would recommend that people watch it. It brought forward. It's not really about foster, but it's about uh, it's about child abuse. And Mm. it's about um, a a child being left in a home that he shouldn't have been left in. So Mm. it kind of ties into this issue. And I wish I wouldn't have watched it so soon after I had this baby. um, But. Uh, it raises really interesting questions about system failure, mm-hmm. about social worker failure, about police failure, about foster care and reunification, about stepping in and making something your problem. Mm-hmm. And some people tried in this case, this extreme case of horrible child abuse, some people tried, but they did the step that they thought they were supposed to do. I called DCF and it was something was supposed to be taken from there. You know what I mean? And, and then if that ball was dropped, you know, it, it I thought was a compelling piece toward the importance of local journalism because the story only came to light because local journalists did some digging Mm -hmm. and then we got to have all these recommendations and all these changes to the system and it shows you a broad range of society's problems when we're dealing with how to protect children and how to educate their families to take care of them and when to take them away and you know in their best interest and it's really, really good. And it's also really, really sad. So give yourself some time if you're going to watch it. But I highly recommend watching it. And it led me to this dumb thing that I want to close with. Okay. Um, but so to, to close, I'm going to tell a story that okay. uh, we've all heard a million times, but it's worth telling. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to climb now. And here comes the soapbox. And now that I'm on top of the soapbox, I'm going to tell the starfish story. So the, the guys, starfish. The guy is walking on the beach, and there's tons and tons and tons and tons of starfish watch, walk, washed up on the beach, right? Mm-hmm. And he's grabbing them. He'll walk, and, you know, there's hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. And he'll grab one, and he'll chuck it back out into the water. Okay. And somebody's walking by him, and they said, there are so many of these, like what you're doing doesn't even matter. It's not, it's not making a difference. And he grabs one and he throws it and he says, it made a difference to that one. Yeah. And so my soapbox for today, people, (laughs) gosh, I I really want you to watch the Gabriel Fernandez thing because it's like really uh, this beautiful touching thing about what difference we can make, you know? And, I don't want us to miss those opportunities and then feel bad that we miss them. So if you think you are up against something 
that is too big, do it anyways. And you might make a difference for that one, you know, so. Even if you're afraid. Even if you're afraid. Even if you're not sure how you're going to be received by others. Even if you're not sure that other people are going to appreciate what you did. Even if they might think that you're coming from a place where you couldn't possibly understand their lives. If you're called to step in and be what a child needs, you, you're ready for that. Until next time. Bye. Deep voice guy, how'd we do? I think you ladies did absolutely fabulous. And for those of you looking to increase your dosage, make sure to connect with The Chrissy and Heather Show on Facebook and Instagram.